Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running from networks and security to communications and 24-7 support. Our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business. Blackfoot, connect to more. Now from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Far out. Thank you, Jim. Stutel Nuanez, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Howdy, hour number two. Great to be with you on this Monday afternoon. Hope you are having a wonderful day. We are thrilled to be with you. Uh, if you missed anything in the first hour of the show, Give it a listen on the old podcast, the Two Tell New Honest podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. The uh, podcast is available thanks to our friends at Blackfoot Communications. If you want to call, 361-3688, 361-3688, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. You can also text that phone number. By the way, we did get uh, one, well, we've gotten a bunch of texts through, but one that we wanted to pass along to you just from earlier in the first hour. If there is a spring national championship, this off the text line, are those games, uh, do, and those games don't count against a player's eligibility, could Trey Lance win five national championships with NDSU? Yeah. Well, I think it's going to go the other way, man. <laughs> well, this it, is going to spark Trey Lance leaving it, NDSU. It, exactly, but it would be possible. In fact, because he redshirted, he could have, count him up, Michael Jordan numbers, six rings on mm. them fingers, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm, he did mm-hmm. win one. As a, you 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 still get a ring if you're if you're a red shirt, right? Oh, no question. Yep, you're there practicing part of the team doing the thing. Uh, all right, Colter, I got two things for you. Yeah. On, on that note, first of all, just a, an interesting tidbit in reading John Thompson's Wikipedia page yes. during the break. John Thompson, the the late John Thompson, longtime coach of Georgetown, who passed away today. 
Did you know he won two NBA championships? No, I didn't. He was on the Boston Celtics in the mid '60s. He was he was a role player, bench guy, but uh, '64 and '65, John Thompson has NBA championship rings. That's pretty cool. About that, that's very cool. And uh, secondly, I hadn't considered this, but I thought my brother Brooks Nuanas is my partner at Skyline Sports MT.com. We were together this weekend, and, and I thought he made a really good point. He said the number one reason why that North Dakota State is playing that Central Arkansas game is when this what the NCAA cleared as this um, rule that you can pra- waiver yeah. you can practice this fall mm-hmm. for the teams that are got postponed to the spring and you get 12 hours a week so you get five hours of on-field practice time and then seven hours for meetings and training weights and, and, and stuff, weights yeah. and all that which is not that much no it's not but that's what Montana Montana State are going to be doing that's what most of the teams in the big State conference are going to presumably be doing. Because North Dakota State's playing one game and one game alone, they will get a longer window that they're able to practice as well as the full allotted, I believe it's 22 hours a week. So they're getting 10 more hours. They're getting the in-season NCAA rules. So basically... Is that a fact? Yeah, it's a fact. Hmm. They get to... They they basically get to have in-season practice rules for the a, a little bit longer of a window as up until that October 3rd, because that's when the window closes, I think is October 5th. Mm. So it's brilliant that they were going to do this game because now that they just get to have more practice time than everybody else and they get to practice inside. And so the, the rich get richer, the strong gets stronger. North Dakota state continues to beat the rest of the FCS at literally everything. It's two tell Nuanas, one or two nine ESPN radio culture. Let's get into a little bit of uh, NFL football. Shall we? We are 10 days away from game one, a week from Thursday, Kansas City versus Houston uh, of the NFL season. And today, the big news out of the NFL, Leonard Fournette just up and released heading into his fourth season. By the way, they declined a fifth-year option for Leonard Fournette already, the Jags did. He's still on his rookie deal. I realize he's the the fourth overall pick going back four years ago, but it's not as if he's making a, a ton of money, but... I was listening to, you know, some ESPN radio, as I as I do, and uh, the discussion, you know, the, the conversations about he's like among the, if not many, in many statistical categories, the worst first down back in the NFL, like averaging 2.5 yards per carry on first down, having what what is classified as a successful run on first down, only 25% of the time worst in the league. So... They tried, and and, I mean, Doug Marone came out and said today in no uncertain terms, we exhausted every single option at trying to trade him and could not. I mean, that is, uh, that's an indictment, right? He's got to be more hurt than what people are letting on. Well, I think there's a couple things. First of all, he, Leonard Fournette hasn't done himself any favors in being pretty vocal at times about his discontent with various acts, not necessarily with the Jags in general, but, you know, with not winning and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, right. But there's also something going on in Jacksonville because, first of all, I, th- this first came to my mind when I was watching Hard Knocks. And Hard Knocks this year is about the Rams and the Chargers. Yeah. And, the, the you know, they feature different guys in each episode, but the mm-hmm. featured character of the second episode was Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. And Jalen Ramsey, he's in L.A. in this episode. He's shopping for a house. He's got a pretty good budget, so the pretty cool houses that Jalen Ramsey yeah. uh, is trying to buy. But in this interview, like you know, they're always he's talking over the top of them, looking at the houses, yeah. and he said, 
the day I got traded from the Jacksonville Jaguars is the single greatest day of my life. He said, I, I've, I've had children. This was significantly better to me than, than anything I've ever experienced. Being drafted in the first round, anything. Yeah. And so then uh, when the DN, say his name for me if you can. Yannick away, I believe is how you say that it. That sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah. He was traded to the Minnesota Vikings uh, yesterday. He had a tweet. It was along the lines of, I'm finally free. I'm no longer in the prison that is Jacksonville. Jalen yeah. Ramsey quote tweeted it and says, bro, I can't wait for you to get out of that jail. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's some real unrest well, in Jacksonville. I mean, we are two, two full seasons going into a third season, removed from them being in the AFC championship game right. and being a whisper from beating New England and going to a Super Bowl. Right. But since then, you, since then you had... All pro players like Paul Plesnuzzi and Telvin Smith abruptly retire. Jalen Smith throw a complete and utter totally. fit to get traded. Fournette, not happy. Obviously, they just I mean yep. they just cut yep. ties with everything. Them. So I totally agree with you. He, he you know, it is the the organization is a problem and we don't know all why it is. Okay. But well, also part of it Leonard is, Leonard Fournette has not been he 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 was he was pretty good his rookie year. He was very injured his sophomore season, Yep, and he was not good last year, man. He was just not good. I mean, 15 games, 265 carries for 1,152 yards, three touchdowns. The three touchdowns is tough. The first down production you mentioned is tough, but he did average 4.3 yards per carry, rushed mm-hmm. for 77 yards a game. He was over 1,100 yards. So, I mean, it's not the transcendent statistics you'd like out of the number four overall pick. If you're right. going to spend a pick like that, you want Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott numbers. Mm-hmm. Fournette largely has been a byproduct, though, of two things. First of all, his own hype, the expectations people had for him, mm-hmm. and just not being healthy. Yeah. He, he hasn't looked healthy to me in two years. Well, he is uh, he is out, and that is significant, particularly when many... <laughs> fantasy drafts have happened with the expectation that he's going to be not just a player, a leader and a uh, starter. And, you know, maybe he is that again. I don't know, but we will, uh, we will see what happens to him. Uh, Coulter, we were talking about, we both had some fantasy drafts over the weekend. Yeah. I don't want to sit here and bore the people with, you know, bunch of hype around, you know, whatever, the, you know, our fantasy team. Before we get into fantasy, I got to ask yeah. you one more question about yeah. the Fournette situation. Okay. Because, f- f- first of all, it's so easy to, to the hype machine now is so crazy, and the way it eats some guys up is amazing. Mm-hmm. But it, I think that people forgot, like, when Leonard Fournette was in high school, and when he was a freshman at LSU, he was like no one before him since Adrian Peterson. I mean, his... His hype, he was that guy. He was. There's always that guy when it comes to running back, especially yep. in the South. You know, it started once upon a time with like guys like Eric Dickerson, but then you know, it, guys like Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson. And these guys Williams are they're legends. They're yep. larger than life. But there hadn't been a dude like that that was like this anointed. This guy could be a first round draft pick when he's 17 years old mm-hmm. since Adrian Peterson and Leonard Fournette was that. And that his he knew he was going to have that, and so then his his junior year, his true junior year, after he'd rushed for almost two thousand yards as a sophomore, his junior year, he said, "I'm gonna shut it down halfway through the year," and he's honestly his his reputation has never recovered from yeah. that. It's been eroding ever since. I just think though, you get the guy in a new situation. When he's healthy, he's still an absolutely outstanding back. Yeah. I mean, part of part of his thing is he he is he's incredibly strong, he's plenty fast, but he is, 
you know, he's a between the tackles runner. He's not particularly elusive. He no. doesn't catch the ball all that much. Yep. And so, you know, if versatility is the name of the game in the NFL, he really isn't that versatile, even though he's good at what he does. He but did then catch if there's seventy six passes last but year, if which there's, is sort of surprising. It is sort of surprising. But the thing is if there's questions about how good you are at the thing that you're supposed to be best at, then you know, that's why but also maybe people just leveraging the Jags and being like, We know that he's leaving. No, we're not giving you anything. And also you can't just blame that first down stat that you, that you referenced on him. No, of course. Their quarterbacks suck. Of course he's bad now, on first down. you bite your tongue on that. Gardner Minshew is great. Like How how much is, is the organizational unrest because the front office decided to go all in on Blake freaking Bortles? Well, that, I mean, how much, how fat, much faster can you lose the locker room? I mean, the defense was talking smack about Blake Bortles in the media while he was still on the team. Yeah, yeah. So regardless, my question for you, that all of that is, is to say this, though. Do you feel like... So here's here's a, a fascinating statistic I, I saw on Twitter when it comes to Leonard Fournette. Okay. He was the number four overall pick 2017 draft. Yeah. It's very rare this day and age that guys go in the top four, and when they do, they need to be like Saquon Barkley and Can't Ezekiel miss. Elliott. Can't miss. The running backs in that draft, it was an excellent running back draft. Christian McCaffrey went number eight. Dalvin Cook went in the second round. Joe Mixon went in the second round. Um, Alvin Kamara went in the third round. Kareem Hunt, third round. James Conner, Tariq Cohen, Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones, and Chris Carson. And then Austin Eckler was undrafted. Does this now re-emphasize the, the de-emphasis on running backs in the NFL? Because basically, Chris Carson and Leonard Fournette have had statistically comparable careers. And when you get Chris Carson in the seventh round, you think, well, that's awesome that I got a 1,000-yard mm-hmm. back in the seventh round when he's a fourth pick. I mean, do the math real quick. Fournette had almost 1,700 yards from scrimmage last year, and he's considered a failure. Do, do you mm-hmm. think it, re- it, it emphasizes the de-emphasis on the position? I think so. Uh, it's, it's not the de-emphasis de- on the position. It is the fact that there's a lot of guys who are capable of doing it. Like The, the difference between Marlon the, Mack and Leonard Fournette is just not that much. Exactly. And so, you know, there's there are certain guys at certain positions who, who just can do it and other guys can't. Yeah. And running back ain't one of those positions. Yeah. And part of that, I think, is... is I mean, a lot of it, any position, coaches can and need to put you in a position to be, if you're an offensive guard, you still need to be put in a position to be successful and do what it is that you're best at. If you're a zone blocker, if you're a matchup blocker, if you're a pass protector, you know, let, let draft a guy who's great at that thing because he's going to come in your system and do the thing that he's great at. Right. So I understand that at running back, maybe more than, than almost any position, you can create a system and a way to use a guy to let him. Austin Eckler is is one of the best patch, pass catchers, period, in the NFL, certainly among running backs, maybe the best, okay? He is not the best running back by a country mile in the league. No. But when he's over there with Phillip Rivers and the Los Angeles Chargers, I know Rivers ain't there anymore, He he he's great. He is great because of the way that he is used and what he's able to do after the catch and with a little bit of space and the burst that he's got and, and, and all that. And he's better than people obviously gave him credit for. He was completely underrated coming out of a D2 school. Okay, so I, I, I get that too. But if you you know if you just lined up Austin Eckler and gave it to him between the tackles and lined him up in Jacksonville and said, go, go run the football, people would be like, well, this guy probably not very good. 
Right. You know, and so that's that's where you're at. Well, and, so, and sometimes it, there takes an element of risk on the organization's part. Sometimes it takes an element of luck as well. Certainly. I mean, Dalvin Cook was a, a I mean, Dalvin Cook's a top 10 talent. He has been since the day he stepped on the Florida State campus. There's just been all these character issues surrounding him. And I mean, the article that Sports Illustrated had on him last year was so sad. The guy, the guy was an orphan. He didn't have any parents. So he had a bunch of juvenile crimes, you know, misdemeanors, whatever, like where he's stealing food from the grocery store because he's 12 and he has nothing to eat. And so then everybody just pinned this as character issues because he has a criminal record dating back to when he was, you know, a, a child. Yeah. And he's been in Minneapolis and now he's thriving. That was the whole question. Like the Vikings called him up and said, "Are you? Will, will you leave your entourage behind? Will you move up here by yourself?" And he said, "I'll give it a try." And you know, it's, that's not here nor there in terms of what sort of influence that's had on him. But that was the sacrifice they made him make, and he did it. You know, Joe Mixon. That situation, of course, he's going to fall. Even though he was clearly an unbelievably talented guy, would have been a first round draft pick if it wasn't for his missteps. Alvin Kamara, character issues. So I, a lot of times it takes, and then, you know, Cream Hunt, retrospectively, character issues. A lot of times it takes a risk on the organization's part, mm-hmm. but also you got to get lucky. Not even lucky, but these guys, just they have to make it work for them, too. Stu Tell Nuwana is 1029 ESPN Radio. We are in the heart of fantasy football draft season. And I know a lot of you have had your fantasy football draft, especially this past weekend. Maybe some of you got some coming up. Auction drafts are uh, growing in popularity, uh, and they are, without question, the way to go, okay? So I'm going to just help you out here. If you are not in an auction draft or if you haven't auction drafted before, do it. Do it. It is, it is such a better uh, way to draft. The experience is much better. It is longer. I understand that. If you only got 45 minutes, you need to do a state snake draft. But also, uh, you get a shot at every single player. You have your budget. You can pay for them as much as you want. I'm not going to go through the rules, uh, uh, you know, exactly. I'm just going to assume people are aware, you know, fantasy football players generally on how this works. But you and I were talking about this. We both did auction drafts over the weekend. And you sit here and you go, I, I, we had the last two years, we've had players go for $90 or more in my league. Now, my league is a keeper league, so that does drive values up because you're getting great values for players who you would have needed a much larger budget to obtain who are now on your roster for relatively cheap as a result of the keeper rules that we've instituted. So I'm not saying that $90 is the norm. But what I am going to say is this. A lot of people in the first couple of rounds uh, look at guys and go, well, I'm not going to pay $60, $65, $70 for a guy because that's just too much money. And if you know the standards, you got $200 budget, $60 out of a $200 budget is like a third, right? It's like 30%. When you go get down and you got $20 left and you're going to pay eight, $9 for a guy, guess what? It's an even larger chunk of your budget that you got to go get that player. And that can very much be worth it. But I think that people think often in terms of the total dollar amount and whether this guy costs this much money. I'll give you an example, okay? Uh, uh, Michael Thomas, who is by far the best player, the best wide receiver, uh, he's he's the very clear number one wide receiver in fantasy football this season, okay? Yep. Particularly in my league, which is the PPR league. He went for, I think, $76 in our league. 
I got Allen Robinson for $7. Now, people are going to go, oh, my goodness, great as Michael Thomas might be, he, they paid almost 11 times more for him than you did for Allen Robinson. Well, a couple things to consider. First of all, I got Allen Robinson pretty late when he – a lot of this is just about how nominations fall. And I got him for $7. I only had $20, something like that, 18 bucks, and I got him for 7 You can tell me that it's a steal. It's still – 40% of my budget that was remaining that I paid for the guy. And once everybody's budget reduces over the course of the draft, what you need to worry about is not the price of a guy, but what percentage of your budget and the related budgets of other people. It's a dynamic economic system that is at play in an auction draft. That's what makes it fun. If you're paying attention to that stuff as you go, which you need to be, you can start to assess whether, in fact, it's a great value. Now, I'm thrilled with the pick for $7. That's great. The other thing to consider is this. Is Michael Thomas going to be 11 times better as a fantasy player than Allen Robinson? Absolutely not. In fact, I didn't even have Allen Robinson particularly highlighted. I think he, I think Allen Robinson is a very good football player on a very bad passing football team. We'll see what happens with him in, in Chicago. At the end of the day, if, if he scores 20 fantasy points and Michael Thomas scores 21 fantasy points, I understand they're on a team. I'm just saying head-to-head. -head. The $76 is well more worth over the $7 because you know what you did? You won. You won the fantasy matchup, which is the point. It's you, it's binary. There's no almost. It doesn't matter how many points you score. It matters if you win your week. And so paying a huge amount for a guy early may well be worth it if that guy hits and you're able to get out there. That said... I got about two decades of experience here on this. The, the consensus top five picks in fantasy football year in and year out are, I don't know if there is many, you know, hits as there are busts, 50, you know, 50-50 on the split, but it's close. And I we have seen many years where guys who were apps, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson just mm -hmm. last season mm -hmm. were top five gotta have them guys who ultimately weren't awful, but they were awful if you took them with your number one or number two overall pick. Their production was mid-round type of production. That happens all the time. And guess what? There's guys out there, Austin Eckler, for instance, who nobody sees coming, and the next thing you know, Melvin Gordon holds out or whatever, maybe it was suspended, whatever it was, for the first month of the season. And this guy breaks out. Now Melvin Gordon's not even on the team anymore. Who, by the way, I think Melvin Gordon's a great back. He's going to be good in Denver, I think. But that stuff happens all the time as well. So you're probably aware of this if you're a fantasy football player. But particularly in the auction draft, I think that a lot of times it's easy to look at the dollars and cents of it as opposed to the percentage of budget and also the percentage of budget in relation to other percentages of budget. If everybody takes a guy for 50, 60 bucks, you're all back on equal footing with one person in there with a new budget set and and you got to sort of go with that relationship. Yeah, I mean, I'm not nearly as experienced with auction drafts, but uh, doing one yesterday with uh, our good buddy Sean Rainey over at ABC Fox Montana. Yes. And a bunch of his colleagues. The one place I aired so much last year was if you have a plan on who you're going to nominate next, you're going to put up for auction mm -hmm. next, and then someone else does that, 
you have to be disciplined in telling yourself, here's what I'm going to spend on this guy. And as soon as it's gone, you can't go over it because you can't just be like, well, that's who I was going to nominate and then spend all your money because you need to be out of money. The other interesting part is when you get low on funds, the art of nomination is so much more important as well. Mm-hmm. Like last night, for example, I I only had like eight or nine dollars left, so I couldn't bid more than and I had like four or five spots left. So my max bid was two bucks. Yeah. And I, I need to fill in with some good running backs or like, you know, some solid backup options. And I knew I could get some guys, but I had Dalvin Cook with my first pick. I wanted to handcuff him with Alexander Madison, mm-hmm. the backup, because I think he's actually a good player. And he I think if Dalvin player. Cook goes down, he's good. I mean, he becomes he becomes a running back, one, an RB1. If yeah, Dalvin an RB2 could, at least. Sure, but I mean. But a, a starter. Right, and, yes. and, and, he, and he can handle it. I mean, he, he's yeah. not going to be as good. Not as a Dal- starter in the NFL, which no. he would be. A starter on your fantasy team he, if he, Dalvin Cook right, goes down. Totally, yes. totally. And, and he's a really good backup. He's one of the best backups in the league. But I didn't want to nominate him and then just lose him because somebody else bid three bucks when I only yeah, had two. Right. So you have to watch what everybody else is doing and see when you can get him for a dollar. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting him for a dollar, so that was that was good. So I got questions for you. Okay. What, was, what was your favorite pick of your auction draft over the weekend? Well, I mean, my, my best value in relation to value is probably Allen Robinson, even though he wasn't the guy that I wanted. I'll, the guy that I have absolutely tabbed this year in relation to either their ADP or their, their draft value is Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor is poised to be uh, the best rookie running back in terms of productivity this season on the count of where he went to the Indianapolis Colts, who have, in my opinion, the best offensive line in football, and Phillip Rivers, who loves to throw the ball to running backs. I realize Marlon Mack is there, and at this moment, Marlon Mack is the starter, who, by the way, for the record, I also got in the event that you know it goes the other way. But I got Jonathan Taylor for $18. I anticipate Jonathan Taylor before the first third of the season is over being an absolute week-in, week-out starter for my team. That's tremendous value at the running back spot. I overpaid for Jonathan Taylor. That was the one I was a little bit mad about. Well, and part of that, too, is nominate. This is the thing. Guys aren't just worth what they're worth. The auction draft drives prices up. If you got tiers of players and you got three guys left in the tier, you might get a guy a little bit undervalued. If everybody's bidding at the last guy or only two people are bidding at the last guy in a tier, it can drive that value way up because you're like, this is the guy I have to have. So it matters when they're nominated and, you know, obviously the the highlights that other players have had. I nominated Jonathan Taylor right off the bat, so there were plenty of other running backs out there and I got him relatively inexpensively uh, because other other guys just weren't ready to go start spending money on, you know, who's like the third or fourth ranked rookie as a running back in in most draft analyses. And obviously with all the blue chippers out there. That said, I did not get like a blue chip. I did not get Saquon. I didn't get Ezekiel, Alvin Kamara, you know, Christian McCaffrey, any of these guys. Um, so that's okay. But I will tell you this, Colter, you ready? I'm ready. Devontae Adams. Tyreek Hill, yep. Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson, they're all on my team. Four of the top mm. 11 fantasy running backs, if you go by the ESPN PPR standards. That is uh, a hammer. And four matters because we're in receivers, a double. Receivers, yep, receivers, all receivers. Yeah, you said running backs. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wide receivers, of course. Yep. Uh, so that that's where you sort of make it up. You hope you can kind of find one good hit on the, uh, on the backup running backs and then uh, – play the big aces that you got on the wide receiver that you know are going to be big or the other thing the other good thing about stacking positions 
is trade value, right? Like I can afford to trade a guy who would be a wide receiver two or even maybe a one, depending on how things shake out and get a really good player that I need help at elsewhere. Maybe it's a dominant, you know, tight end or maybe running back of some sort. So you can afford to, you know, dangle some some trade value out there during the course of a season, depending on uh, depending on who you get to. Couple guys just to throw this out there that I predict to have reduced production this year. <laughs> so, I hate to say it, but Adam Thielen's one of them. Yeah, I, I just think that uh, I think Thielen's been great. He's been incredibly consistent. He has also benefited so much from playing on the other side of Stephon Diggs. And Stephon Diggs, I think, is one of the most underrated receivers in the league. I think Stephon Diggs is really good. I think Stephon Diggs has a chance to actually increase his production, being a, a number one overall in Buffalo. Yeah. It depends on what they want to do offensively. He's just going to be a more featured piece, even if his numbers aren't better. Um, and I think that Thielen, I think his numbers are going to take a hit. The other guy, I think his numbers are just going to take a hit just because you just can't have the usage rate he had last year. You can't. It just is not feasible, and that's Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. He's I mean, still good and be good. But, you, did, I mean, he, the guy had almost 500 touches last year. It's not, it's not happening. Um, the only counter to Thielen that I have for you, and I don't want to make much of a counter because obviously it would do my heart good to see him have an awful year, even if he's, if he's on my team. Go Packers. <laughs> um, and that is without Stefan Diggs, you know, I think that there's a target bump that he receives, even if he obviously is going to have, you know, is going to be the number one coverage matchup that defenses are going to be looking at for, uh, you know, in the secondary with wide receivers to to uh, to take on. So, you know, that that is there. But I think he's got a, a, a pretty decent connection with Kirk Cousins. And again, I don't need him to be great. Just need him to be good. Sure. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But one, one sneaky guy I think has a chance to have an uptick in production. Yeah. Is Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon was mm. a really good player in Minnesota, and then he signed a, a by running back standards big contract with the 49ers, and he got hurt, and he's been hurt. That's a good but point. they've stuck with him. And Matt Breida moved on. Matt Breida's now in Miami. Mm-hmm. I actually think Matt Breida has a chance to be a sneaky good fantasy player, even though the Dolphins are not going to be that great because Breida is pretty tough. He's been hurt, but not like a it's not a knee. Which is so detrimental. He's just had an ankle, but he's got he's had an offseason now. So I think he'll be be uh, an, he'll have elevated production because he's not splitting carries. But I also think that you know I know that they the the Forty ers bucked up and, and signed Mostert for pretty good money. Yep. They still have Tevin Coleman, but McKinnon was the guy that they thought was going to be the dude. You're right. And they've stuck with him even though he hasn't played in two years, which shows me that internally they still must really like him. Mm-hmm. Because if you just if you sign a, that kind of a player to a thirty million dollar contract, if you don't really love him, you'll just cut him loose. Because why would you keep him? But by all accounts, Jarek McKinnon is is an awesome locker room guy and obviously a very hard worker. You know, going from a triple option quarterback to becoming a potential feature back in the NFL. But I just think that McKinnon is a guy that a lot of people are sleeping on. But he could be a really good late round value for you in fantasy. Two Tell and Wanis, one two nine ESPN Radio, the NBA second round starting to get there this is starting to shape up after everything that we went through in the first round Coulter still the Lakers and the Clippers who get through and are uh, taking all comers so we'll go to that right after this boys and girls it's August still the last day of it I understand but we are still very much in the heart of golf season and if you are a golfer like Coulter and myself there's one place you need to get and that is the Canyon River Golf Club Canyon River in East Missoula beautiful setting, wonderful estates out there along the Clark Fork River, the mountains coming up on either side of you, 
and a perfectly manicured and upkept championship golf course. 49 bucks. It's all it costs you to go out there and play around at golf at Canyon River. Tremendous value, as good a value as you're going to find anywhere in this state. And Canyon River Golf Club, also available online at CanyonRiverGolfClub.com. You can set tee times online. You can find out what specials are going on. You can find out what tournaments and scrambles and things are happening there. Get all the updates because there's a bunch of things going on at Canyon River all the time. And you can even save additional money by booking your tee time online. they got hot deals on there for you to check out. It is time to get outside, enjoy, you know, another month, couple months of nice outdoors, sunshine, beautiful weather and a beautiful setting what we got here in western montana so go to the canyon river golf club play around at golf today book your tee times online canyonrivergolfclub.com that's canyonrivergolfclub.com at blackfoot communications we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running from networks and security to communications and 24 7 support our team works with you to understand your technology demands then deploys the right solution for your unique needs whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step blackfoot is here to help call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business blackfoot connect to more Loss of the saxophone in pop music is just devastating, isn't it? Not? <laughs> Indeed, it is. To tell new one is one hundred two nine ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Great to be with you across the state. If you'd like to listen live, you go to the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You listen there all the time on the stream. The stream is available thanks to our friends at Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Coulter. Morris taking a swipe at Doncic. Didn't matter. Clippers move on. Dallas goes home. Jamal Murray goes for Fiddy. We got a game seven tomorrow night. There's a game six in the first round tonight between OKC and Houston. They're the only two first round games remaining. And we got Boston, Miami in progress. What do you want to start with? Your NBA dreams coming true right here on the radio. <laughs> well, first of all, let's start with the uh, the Morris Sr. and Luka Doncic situation. I think that there's been a lot of outrage about this. Stepping on the guy's ankle when you know that it's a bad ankle, that's that's crap. That's stupid. That's that's dirty. Swiping at the back of his head, while certainly probably considered dirty, I just can't believe that there's so much outrage over it. The number one reason you have Marcus Morris on your team is to enforce, be an enforcer. Um, I come at this from the following angle. The only person who would play basketball against me when I was growing up was my father. <laughs> we had a, a park behind our house. Right behind it. Right, right there. Behind, right behind the house. And this is old school where it is a hoop and a backboard hung on a metal pole that is cemented into the ground. Okay? When I beat my father in terms of like beat him off the dribble, which was fairly often... I know I'm slow now. I wasn't always this slow. And at some point in my life, I was faster than a 50-year-old man. Okay? I got a two-hand shove right in the back, just square up for that pole every single time I went by with the comment, with a foul, make sure they don't score. That was it. 
every single time. For sure a flagrant two. Drive after drive after drive. He never got kicked out, by the way. I don't know what the refs were looking at when we played our games one-on-one. I understand it's a different world. I understand it's a different NBA. I... I don't condone dirty player cheap shots. Certainly not. It's and, just a part. Of, and I'm not part. even saying the flagrant two wasn't justified. I'm just saying it was everybody justified. freaking out about it. I don't know. Just take it easy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was a dirty play. He should have got thrown out of the game. And he did. But it's part of the NBA. Sure. It's the initiation of a young star. I mean, what guy? The only guy that really didn't have to go through this was LeBron. Because LeBron James, you can't just throw him on the ground. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's really hard to flat yeah. back LeBron. Yeah. So uh, Luka Doncic, I think will will get stronger from this. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about in terms of this series is uh, it's so easy to have a short memory and only remember the best of the best in the NBA. And this is a point I'm always trying to argue. There's different levels of being great in the NBA, but oftentimes we don't give credit where credit is due for teams that are pretty darn great. Because they just can't get past the greatest of great. I mean, Kawhi Leonard at this exact moment, I think, is the best player in the NBA. I mean, he's the best playoff player in the NBA. It's going to take a lot to to exodus Kawhi Leonard in a seven-game series. He's just got it on lock. When it comes down to crunch time, he's going to make the stops. He's going to hit the buckets. He's going to help you move on. He, he, he is just that guy when it comes to the playoffs. So it's not it's – not, demeaning to what the Mavs accomplished this year. The Mavs went from a 24-win team before Luka Doncic was drafted to a high 30s win team last year, which seemed very unlikely, to then this year won, I think, 47 games? I mean, they were were a very good team. In in a shortened season. In a shortened season. And probably would have been pushing for 50 wins if it would have been a full season. And then they were very competitive with the Clippers. But then now that it's going to come full circle, when we're sitting here nine months from now, we'll just only really remember that the Clippers took the... Mavs down in six, and it'll be easy to forget just how competitive this series was and just how great of a step this was for the Mavs as such a young team. And that even though Luka Doncic was great, elite in this series, he also was injured the last couple of games in this series, including, by the way, the night he made 42 points, including the game winner. He was hobbled in that game, and Kristaps Porzingis has been out. So, you know, you're not going to win that series against any team that Kawhi Leonard is on to say nothing to Paul George and the rest of the Clippers. Uh, by the way, right now, quick update, 49-45 the score. I said Boston earlier. Apologies. Milwaukee and uh, Miami uh, playing uh, five minutes to go in the first half and uh, the Bucks up four here. Uh, that game on TNT will be followed tonight by OKC and uh, Houston. Oklahoma City Thunder looking to stay alive and force a game seven against the Houston Rockets tonight. The Bucks better be on high alert in that series because I hadn't watched the Heat very much mm-hmm. coming into the bubble. The Heat are tough, man. Goran Dragic has got his swagger back. Jimmy Butler now that he doesn't have to be on this haphazard roster with all these weird fitting pieces like he was in Philadelphia. He's back to being a, like an all-NBA type player. And the Heat play defense, man. They play defense better than most of the teams left in the playoffs. And that is going to be it's going to give them a, a competitive chance against yeah. the Bucks. I mean the Bucks the Bucks are have a chance to be such a special team because they have so many pretty good players around one of the best one players on player. on the planet. But yeah. I think that could be a more competitive series. The other one uh worth noting is in the first game of the second round, the Celtics took the Raptors apart. I thought that was a little bit surprising. 
But I also thought that the Celtics exploited the Raptors in this element. When it gets when you get out of the first round, now all of a sudden, your best guys have to be their best. They have to be. If you are going to be the best player on a team, and it's in, among the last eight teams left in the NBA, you cannot lay an egg like Pascal Siakam did. Pascal Siakam got three fouls in the first 14 minutes of that game. You cannot do that. No, no. I mean, because it's over. I mean, that game was over at halftime because they have nowhere to turn to. And the Celtics have so many guys that they can turn to. The, the Raptors, besides Kyle Lowry, they don't have that next elite option where the Celtics have multiple elite options. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know much about the East coming into the bubble other than the Bucks had been so dominant. But I, I really think that the Celtics... I mean, the Heat are going to be competitive. I think the Bucks will get past them, though. I think without much trouble. Yeah. But I do think that the Celtics are a lot more competitive than I thought they were going to be. I mean, the Celtics are... They're really good, man. Loaded. They're yes. loaded. Yeah, they're loaded. I mean, and, and they have something that no one else in the East has. And that even with Gordon Hayward out, they have a guy who's the third best player on the team that knows he's the third best player on the team who's still going to be better than almost every team they're going to play, second best player in Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's better than anybody else the Bucks got, not named Giannis, right? Yeah, I mean, Chris Middleton, but... I would take Jalen Brown, though, because he's a better two-way player. All I want to know is Jalen Brown actually the third-best t- player on, on Boston. Well, you got... You think Kemba Walker is better than Jalen Brown? It's good. I mean, with Kemba's knee I hurting like it close. is. Well, that's the other thought I had about the Celtics. Is I, mean, I love Kemba speaking Walker, of the Jalen Brown's legit. Oh, for sure. And speaking of the future, I, I, this is where I'm at with the Celtics. The Celtics, I know Brad Stevens is a point guard coach, but the Celtics have been, they've been operating under this ball-dominant point guard philosophy and building their roster from Isaiah Thomas to Kyrie Irving and now to Kemba Walker. It's very clear to me watching them that the two guys they need to build that team around are Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Mm. They need to go away from that. I know it's not in Brad Stevens' DNA as a coach, but if I'm the Celtics, I'm going all in on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and building around them. We, they don't need the ball-dominant guards anymore. They just got to let Tatum be the dude, man. He could be – he's a top-ten play. I think he's a top-ten talent. If, if the, he can get empowered, he doesn't have to play with ball-dominant 20-point-per-game point guards. Tutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Quick break. Come back. Best series of the first round, no question, is going seven games. What is going to happen in that game? And what happened in game six? It was something special next. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Tell New Honors, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Howdy. At Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT on Twitter. Go follow along out there. Hang out with us in the Twitterverse. Uh, if you missed anything in the show, listen on the podcast. The Tutel New Honors podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. Appreciate that. Podcast available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Uh, see, Brandon Ingram got an MIP. I said to myself, how is this guy not 21? What? 
Then I realized, oh, no, he's the most improved player. <laughs> it's the headline. Brandon Ingram, breakout, breakout season capped by MIP. I said, oh, my goodness. How did that happen? And how did, how did he get in the NBA that young? And then I found out, oh, no, no, no. Most improved player. So congratulations to Brandon Ingram on uh, on an outstanding award. I, I see this you. headline now. Uh, I was like, what are you talking well, about? Well, I, I, I was said, what was ESPN.com? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty close. He was born in 1997. He's 22. He's, yeah, I think he actually, I think he just turned 23. So No, he will turn 23. Oh, he's going to turn 23. He's turn 23 okay. in two days, in fact. Okay, so, uh, yeah. But nonetheless, uh, no MIP for uh, Brandon Ingram. Well, there's one, but the good one, the one you want. Man, that's a... That's a I would love. I would love to know. Is there ever been an NBA player that got a minor in possession? Oh, I mean, certainly. You think they let high schoolers play in the NBA? I know, but all the guys that are playing in the NBA out of high school probably have a way to either talk their way out of it or enough of a reputation that they're not going to get one. But I mean, we have seen professional athletes of any age of any sport accomplish some of the dumbest things that you can accomplish as a person we've seen him accomplish some of the smartest things you can accomplish as a person too by the way but i mean just because you're 19 and in the league doesn't mean you're not very capable of getting an mip okay yeah, in fact also- i think you might be more capable more capable let's not do this here's what i want to talk about <laughs> i just really want to know now jamal murray oh boy fitty fitty burger to push the series to seven. This is the series at the beginning that I said I was most excited about in terms of the matchup. I love both of these teams, the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. I hope that it would go seven. It has gone seven tomorrow night. We will have a resolution to the, uh, well, it might not be the last series if Oklahoma City wins tonight. That series will go to a game seven and will be uh, finished up on Wednesday. But uh, uh, the at least second to last uh, game uh, ser- first series, a first round series, excuse me, to uh, to come to a conclusion tomorrow night, and this has been this has been as entertaining as advertised, if not even more so. The battle between Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, and then obviously you throw the Joker in there and everything else. Great series. Donovan Mitchell, two fifty point games in this series. He had forty six last night. Slacker. Jamal Murray <laughs> has uh, two fifty point games in this series. And also had 42 in a different game and 36 in a different game as well. Here's a quick trivia question for you. Okay. There's only been four players, including those two, to have multiple 50-point games in the same playoff series. Who are the other two? Well, Michael did. Michael Jordan. Yeah, against Boston. And then, man, 50-point games against... Think of who just died. Kobe? Nope. Who just died? College coaches. Lou Olson? Nope. Who was one of the greatest players for the other college coach that died? John Thompson. Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson. AI did it. How would it with, against the Lakers? Did he do? Oh, I know he did it in that playoffs leading up to when they played against the Lakers, and okay. then he averaged about forty a game in that finals. Yeah, they did. still got. They still lost in five. Uh, they did. They lost in five, which was one more than they were supposed to lose in. Well, right. Allen Iverson won an NBA Finals game against Shaq and Kobe by himself. Yes, and uh, let's not forget Teron Lewis. <laughs> Um, Jamal yeah. Murray, though, is absolutely having a coming out party. I mean, I think that the the kid, we saw his potential, but I don't think anybody thought he was going to be like this, this early. He's only 23. Um, and, I mean, last night, he had a cooking as, as much as I've ever seen a player have a cooking. I mean, he was 17 of 24 from the field. He was 9 of 12 from three. 
just unbelievable. I mean, he, he was hitting step backs. He was shifting through traps, shooting over double and sometimes even triple teams out of his mind. Um, at 23 years old, I realized, like, you know, we just expect professional athletes to be, uh, well, I mean, they're, they're adults, right? And they certainly are adults, okay? But on the front end of your professional athletic career, you are a young adult, and in some cases, a very young adult. The, 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 the poise and the maturity that he has as a 23-year-old, I'm talking about off the court now is remarkable and to me I can I feel like I can see it in his game like he is he's Jamal Murray is an old soul playing in a youthful body that is a, he is absolutely unstoppable right now and I'm telling you what it is I mean if, if he goes like this Denver is a problem now for everybody involved we'll get into that tomorrow because I have some theories about what Denver needs to do because I think that if they play it right and surround these two guys, uh, Jamal Murray and, and Nikolai Jokic, with the right combo of players, I think that they have a better position in the league than almost anybody. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've they got a core to do it. Halftime, Milwaukee up 3, 63-60 over Miami in uh, the uh, first game of the Eastern Conference semis. Boys and girls. Good to be back with you on this Monday. We'll see you tomorrow. It's 2 Tell Nuanas at CS. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.